Support for this episode is brought to you by Scranton's Chamber of Commerce and this month's featured businesses. Woof.com, Vance Refrigeration, Schrute Farms, The Michael Scott Paper Company, and Dunder Mifflin, Inc. Scranton, PA, where our business is to always leave you satisfied and smiling. That's what she said. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic! I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, a podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. How's it going, guys? Uh, so good because of this episode. <laughs> I know. God, guys, we have a lot of interest online for this episode. Like, um, a lot. Yeah, from Facebook and Reddit and Twitter comments, all from people who are really excited. We're covering the American Office Christmas episodes. Yay! And I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to it all week. But I'm glad our listeners are excited too. They can think of this as a tangible thing that says, hey guys, I love you. We love you this many dollars worth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Tom got it. You are not all getting an iPad. You are not all getting an iPod. (laughs) (laughs) So, since we're covering like different episodes of the show, of The Office, in this one episode of Tis the Podcast. The format's going to be a little different tonight. We'll talk about each episode one at a time, read a plot synopsis. Each of us will give our general feelings for it. We'll discuss it briefly, talk about whether or not it passes the Linus test, uh, give our favorite quotes, and then rank it and move on to the next episode. Um for time's sake, since I feel like we're all going to have a lot of quotes, we're going to probably end up cutting a lot out during editing, but for our Patreon subscribers, we'll put the whole unedited episode on Patreon for you guys to listen to. It's going to be a long Yay. one. Yay! That's what she said. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Set up and accept. <laughs> if, you're, if you don't get that joke, this episode's not for you guys. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> So really quick, before we get into each of the episodes, uh, what's your history with the show, guys? Um, My history uh, is about a year ago. Everybody had been telling me I needed to watch the show, and so I binge-watched it on Netflix within the span of probably a month, and it was a glorious time of my life. (laughs) I love (laughs) the show. What about you, Tom? Um, My history of this goes back before there was an American office. Um, I did watch The British Office and um, started this back in season one, episode one. I saw the pilot. And I'm assuming, Anthony, are you in the same boat? I am in the same boat. And I remember when they announced this, I wasn't sure it was going to work out because I did like the British one. But um, 
this one exceeds the British one to me. It's so much better. And I think it's because this one has more of a heart. But uh, the British one, in fairness, does have good Christmas episodes. So maybe one day we'll cover that one too. So yeah, let's jump right in and get to it. Let's talk about season two, Christmas Party. Tom, do you want to give us a synopsis? You know, I think I do. Um, This was the first Christmas uh, episode, which was surprising to me when I looked through uh, season one. I didn't realize there hadn't been a season one Christmas episode. But uh, so here's the plot synopsis. The office Christmas party turns into a disaster when Michael decides to turn a game of Secret Santa into Yankee Swap in an attempt to get a better gift for himself. Meanwhile, the rest of the office attempts to win the video iPod that Michael bought for Ryan with the bonus check he received from corporate for firing Devin. So uh, this, this episode I have is... a question before we jump in, though. Okay. Yeah. What do you call that game that they played with the gifts? Dirty we, Santa. We always called it Nasty Christmas. Nasty Christmas. We always well, said Dirty call... Santa, too. Yeah, Dirty Santa. Well, I think that's... They acknowledge there are a lot of different names for it in the episode. They do. That's yeah. why I was wondering what you guys, just what you guys called it. I was wondering if the Yankee, I, I had never heard Yankee Swap until this episode. So this episode is actually really important to the show overall because this episode is what many critics and the cast credit for saving the show. Really? Because season one was only six episodes and it didn't get stellar reviews because they considered it a blatant ripoff of the UK version and it didn't translate well. The pilot was almost a shot for shot remake of the British one. So when season two started, it was more colorful. They had toned down the character of Michael Scott played by Steve Carell, um, made him a little more goofy and well-meaning, just uh, clueless, which helped his character a lot and made the show better in a lot of people's minds. Um, but because of season one, it still wasn't getting watched on TV. So iTunes had this big video iPod promotion with this episode, and they were giving away a few episodes of the show, season two, for free for anyone with a video iPod to download on iTunes. And that got word of mouth, positive word of mouth going for the show, and the numbers took off from there. So. I did not know that. How interesting. I love this episode. I do too. I don't know if it's my favorite one yet. We'll find out as we go through all the other episodes tonight. But whenever I think of a Christmas, the office and Christmas, I think of this episode because I think there are a lot of really good things in this one. But I think what's really relatable about this episode, I think we've all been in awkward office secret Santas where somebody picks your name and they don't really know you or vice versa and you have no clue what to get them. No? Am I the only one who's been in a situation like that? For sure. I have not been in that situation, but I can imagine it. Or if you've been in an office where, the ones I love is where if you're in an office and you're going through these things and some people get pretty thoughtful gifts. I mean, like a lot of the gifts were thoughtful. And then... uh, you see that one person you feel really sorry for who gets the shamrock key ornament? <laughs> just something or, that had... Or the one who forgot to... Or, or, or just got, had an old shirt and placed in a bag. I haven't been to that one yet, but that would be epic. So this episode also kicks off a theme of, I think, at least half of the Christmas episodes of the show. And that's where... Well, I would say almost 90% of the show in general, where Michael 
of his own doing ruins the Christmas party and then, <laughs> and then feels so bad about it. He has to find some way to save it and get his employees happy again. Which in this case was alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the last time he resorts to alcohol. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. This had so many things I love about this show in general. It's Michael at his worst and best. It has a cute Jim and Pam subplot. So I liked Jim and Pam as a pining for one another more than I liked them together. And I really liked Jim's uh, little bit, his really thoughtful kind of flirty Christmas gift he got her in this episode. Which mm-hmm. Dwight steals in Yankee Swap, which is just even better because Dwight is always ruining Jim's day. <laughs> so this is too much. This for me, this is not my favorite Christmas one, um, and this is almost too much season one Michael Scott for me compared to some of the later season Michael Scotts. Like his meanness is a little too mean, and I think it's only because I know how his meanness changes later in the season. So for me, this one, that's where it kind of loses it just a little bit with Phyllis's mitt because he's like, it feels like a heartless meme, not like a, a self-serving Michael meme to me. That's totally fair. Points, but I feel like it's just because it's so stinking close to that first season where he's so cold. Um, but, but you can see, right. You can see that silver lining in Michael. He's got some hilarious parts in this and you can see that sweetness creep out. It's just not there as much as it is in the later seasons for me. So so we're talking about all these characters just real quick for anyone who hasn't seen the show. Michael Scott is the inept boss of Dunder Mifflin, Scranton branch. They sell paper. It's played by Steve Carell. And then uh, the other main characters, you have Jim and Pam, who are into one another. She's engaged to another guy, though. And then you have Dwight, the assistant to the regional manager, who is a brown noser to the boss and makes everyone else's lives miserable. Particularly Jim's. Particularly Jim's. And Jim's always pranking him. I don't think Jim... I think Jim loves it. Well, he he definitely grows to love it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like... Everyone grows to love Michael before Michael leaves in season seven too. I, I really got tired of Jim and Pam. Well, that I I agree, and that's why I liked them better before they put them together. I think part of it was well, I got tired of their pining. Will they? Won't they? Ross Rachel yeah. thing, um, and I I think that may have been right before we started this. We went through and watched all ten seasons of Friends, mm-hmm. um, and. That got the Ross, Ross and Rachel thing got annoying to me as Ross and Rachel, so it did not get much better. Well, um, we'll see why I appreciate Jim and Pam more than Ross and Rachel. They didn't get together five million times and break up. That's what got annoying for me with Ross and Rachel. Jim and Pam got together once and then stayed together, which I thought more realistic was more realistic. Jim and Pam works for me on every level, but the super weirdness they had when with the the boom mic guy. I don't. I oh, in season in the final season. Yeah, I still don't know what all that was about, and the, I was not a fan. The of The boom mic guy who just played uh, Mr. Parker in A Christmas Story the Musical live on Fox is here. Anyway, so let's jump into quotes. When Michael got his gift to the Yankee Swap, he got stuck with uh, stuck with Dwight's gift, and uh, <laughs> which was a paintball lesson. 
Michael, Michael reads something. He said, in addition to the, these paintball pellets, you get a gift that includes two paintball lessons with Dwight Schrute. Dwight said, you, you and me, Michael. Yes. Michael said, who wants to take paintball lessons? How's that better than an iPod? And Dwight's like, I never said I was better than an iPod. Uh, Mike, and then he goes off you know, camera and, and into the little side room. and says, Michael keeps bragging about the iPod, but you know what? Two paintball lessons with someone as experienced as I am is easily like two gram, grand. Take that, Saddam. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's one of the things and yeah maybe this is good why we go into quotes so early because they'll like point out oh, a lot of things fun. about the characters that we like that's one of the things i love about dwight how he they over the course of this whole show he thinks he's this bad a like military law enforcement guy, <laughs> law enforcement guy when he's like the geekiest looking human being with the calculator watch that you've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> like later when he's uh when what's his when michael's talking to daryl daryl wants to be santa michael's like that doesn't make sense and dwight says michael i want to be an elf and he's like that makes sense he has elfish features and dwight just kind of <laughs> dwight smiles about it <laughs> i like it when they're they're doing the yankee swap and michael goes i hope nobody takes this baby because this is great wow look at that fine craftsmanship somebody really put a lot of work into that it's beautiful and meredith goes i'll take the oven mitt michael goes sucker <laughs> i wanted somebody to take it boom reverse psychology and then you move to michael scott in the office and he in his office and he goes reverse psychology is an awesome tool i don't know if you guys know about it but basically you make someone think the opposite of what you believe and that tricks them into doing something stupid works like <laughs> <laughs> So it's Michael's talking heads at the camera that I love about the show in general. They're always so funny. So he has one in this one after the office turns on him for Good turning reason. into Yankee Swap and making Phyllis cry and you know finding out he got a bonus check and instead of distributing it to his employees or doing something nice for them, he buys a video iPod. So they turn on him and he soaks off his, to his office to talk to the camera and he's like, unbelievable i do the nicest thing anyone has ever done for these people and they freak out <laughs> well happy birthday jesus sorry your party's so lame i like dwight's take on it where he says that uh, yankee swap is like machiavelli meets christmas <laughs> <laughs> oh okay so i love phyllis and bob vance on this show and this is the first appearance of bob vance on the show <laughs> and i just like when phyllis introduces him to different people so she brings him in and introduces him to ryan stanley and kevin and she's like does everybody know my boyfriend bob vance and kevin's like kevin malone and he's like bob vance vance refrigeration stanley hudson Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. Ryan Howard, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. And then there's this pause and Ryan's like, what line of work are you Bob? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the idea that he's aware of the camera being there and he's trying to sell his product to like anyone who might be watching this documentary. Uh, I loved it. I do too. And it also shows, it also shows uh, um, how, I mean, through the whole thing, we see how much BJ Novak, or sorry, how much, uh, how much Ryan doesn't want to be there. So this is the horrible, this is just a big joke to him. So Ryan in general, I'm not a fan of his. I liked him much better as a temp than before he went on this weird 
meteoric rise and fall and then just became this weird little hyperactive druggy tech guy like that was he's he's a he's insufferable to me in later seasons but in season two and three when he's just a temp and the begrudging sales guy i think he's funny when he has that dry sense of straight humor yeah god michael is so awkward second least favorite character packer oh i hate packer uh, he, really and he's like our him. second appearance on our show because he, is. he played um Krampus, he played, yeah. he played he the brother in camp brother in law in Krampus. Yeah, mm-hmm. the really obnoxious brother in law in Krampus. Yeah, but not th- quite at Packer level obnoxious. I know we talked about that, how even Packer had a heart in that movie. And his but, name is David uh Cochner, Cochner, something like that. The actor's name just for reference yeah he was uh i can't i cannot stand anything about him throughout the entire series every time he comes on i cringe i know what they're going for but god the guy's awful yeah insufferable is the only term i can think of yeah Yeah. this episode has a that's what she said count of one by the way yeah so one time julia kept count everyone so she's going to inform us every episode every episode how many times michael drops his that's what she said joke oh one more thing before we move into the next episode otherwise we're going to be here till like 1 a.m but uh i would be very remiss if i didn't mention (laughs) the use of my christmas song christmas and hollis in this episode that uh, they play during Michael's drunken debauchery party when he's getting everybody drunk. When it's not a very Christmassy thing to do. (laughs) That's a very non-family Christmassy thing to do. (laughs) Also, quickly. It was fitting. (laughs) Quickly what? It was fitting. No, it was perfect for the scene. I thought it it all fit in really well. I was just going to say. That's what she said. <laughs> I was also going to say another recurring theme since we've got a few. Um, Michael does mention one of his quotes. Everyone wants the iPod. It's a huge hit. It is almost a Christmas miracle. I'm pretty sure Christmas miracle comes up in every Christmas episode as a quote. With Michael? I didn't think With of that, somebody. but I, I think you're right. Dwight says it in this. Yeah, so we'll get to him. But in this one, that's where it's almost a Christmas miracle comes up. So I'm going to go for kind of a a sweet Michael Scott one because that's my favorite Michael Scott. I like it when he says, Christmas is awesome. First of all, you get to spend time with people you love. Secondly, you can get drunk and no one can say anything. Third, you give presents. What's better than giving presents? And fourth, getting presents. So four things, not bad for one day. It's really the greatest day of all time. It really is. I love Christmas. So before we move on to the next episode, two questions. Number one, does it pass the Linus test? No. Yeah, I not this one. There's a moment of self-discovery and self-awareness made, but yeah, it'd be hard-pressed to say it passes the Linus test. But there is that moment when Michael realizes I do have to make amends for what I did. But yeah, it's not him learning the true meaning of Christmas. Let's rank okay. the episode. So Julia, out of 10, what would you give this episode? I give this one a six. Tom? I gave this one an eight. I am going to give this one a 10. This is my favorite Christmas one out of all of them. Shocking. That's shocking. The average for this one is eight. So moving on to season three, episode 10, A Benny Hanna Christmas. 
So, Julia, why don't you give us a plot synopsis for this one? Totally. When Carol breaks up with Michael right before Christmas due to the insensitive Christmas card that he mailed out, Andy, Dwight, and Jim take their despondent boss out to Benihana's in an attempt to cheer him up. Meanwhile, Pam and Karen team up to throw a Christmas party for the office to rival Angela's when Angela refuses to take any of their suggestions on the party planning committee. This was our first Christmas episode with Rashida Jones. Yes. Who plays Karen. Which was awesome. So for those of you, again, who don't follow the show, uh, season three features a merger between two branches, and we have two new characters in this episode, and that's Karen, played by Rashida Jones, and Andy, played by Ed Helms, and they transfer over from the Stanford branch, and at this point, Jim is dating Karen, and Pam is a single one. So that changes their dynamic a little bit. Tom, why don't you, because I know you're desperate, I don't want to get to quotes quite yet, but I'll make an exception for you, because why you tell everyone about Michael's plotline in this episode, why he's so despondent. So in this episode, uh, we open up, Michael's really excited that his girlfriend, Carol, is going to come to their uh, Christmas party. She comes storming in, and he's, as always, very, very inappropriate. Um, she's there and he's trying to get her to turn around and, and show her the other side of her to the office when he's telling them how attractive she is. Um, we see the, the fun struggle between uh, Andy and Dwight where Andy tries to compliment Carol by saying, oh, Michael's description of you didn't do you justice. <laughs> and Dwight just says, I disagree. Michael had a very adequate description of you. <laughs> but uh, he, he's really excited to see her. He's obviously gone all Michael in on this relationship. She takes him to the office and pulls out the Christmas card that he mailed uh, everybody. And it's a picture of her family on a ski trip with her ex-husband and children. And Michael just photoshopped his face on top of it. (laughs) And he doesn't understand why she's so mad about it. Um, But just seeing him do that. And and my, all my thoughts on it are, are summed up when, when they talk to Jim and Jim goes, it's a bold move to Photoshop yourself into a picture with your girlfriend and her kids on a ski trip with their real father. But then again, Michael's a bold guy. He pauses. Is bold the right word? (laughs) (laughs) I know it's only our second Christmas episode of The Office, but this one had was like the start of, and they continued with really great office decorations. The first one, the decorations were really subpar for me, but this one is where they brought out the bright lights everywhere and this, the fun streamers on like the computer monitors and all of that stuff. I was very happy with that. It really it definitely set the tone. More I, the it looked like they had a party planning committee for real. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I do think the first one looked probably more like a lot of offices around the country do at Christmas though. Which is why we didn't like it, I think. <laughs> it was far too real. When the, sh- when the scene opens, you know, they've always got that, that couple of minute uh, intro before the show actually starts. And Dwight just comes in carrying a dead goose and slams it down on, on Pam's desk. And uh, he's, he's, of course, everybody's mortified. And, and Dwight's like, I really, uh, he's right. He's wanting to cut it up for, for a Christmas celebration. And he tells them, he's like, all right, I've got a carving knife out in my truck. And Toby comes in, he's like, oh, Dwight, we talked about this. And he's like, no, Toby, this is different. He's already dead. (laughs) (laughs) And Toby finally acquiesces and allows him to go out to to carve his goose in his car. (laughs) 
That says a lot about Dwight as a character, because at this point, we've only been following them around for a year, but what the hell has this guy been up to for years at this office where Toby walks in and he's just exasperated rather than horrified? And I'd like to point out, Toby is a great character in his uh, constant sadness and exasperation. Yeah. I and love Toby. I really he, do. I can't imagine anyone else playing that sad sack hated HR guy Poor better Toby. than him. I love and him though. I really I really so like Toby a for lot. Toby the time. I, he I never love... gets happy either. <laughs> well <laughs> how can he be happy? Michael treats him horribly. And like even in this episode, there's a really subtle moment when they realize they are a gift short from corporate and Michael's like crying on the floor because of his breakup. And Dwight's like, uh Michael, we're one bathroom short. And there's this pause, and Michael's just like, take you from Toby. Go take Toby. <laughs> and Toby's so nice. Uh, Dwight comes to take it, and Toby's like, oh, but I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, and he, he later rubs it when yeah, he, Kevin's, he rubs wearing, when it, Kevin's right? wearing it. <laughs> Let's just go, go to quotes, because I have a I, – one of my favorite parts is – Right after he broke up with Carol, he's been crying. You can tell Michael's been crying. He walks out of his office and he's like, I'd like everybody's attention. Christmas is canceled. And Stanley's like, you can't cancel a holiday. And Michael's like, keep it up, Stanley, and you'll lose New Year's. And Stanley's like, what does that mean? And Michael's like, Jim, take New Year's away from Stanley. And Pam's like, Michael, what's going on? Carol and I split up amicably and i just don't think it would be appropriate to celebrate under the circumstances and jim in ever sarcastic raises his hand and he's like will they still air rudolph yes (laughs) (laughs) and everybody starts arguing with him and michael's like fine have your party just no guests and phyllis was like but we invited guests and he's like well you know what phyllis all of your guests would have probably canceled at the last minute anyway, leaving your life a stupid rotten mess. And then he storms back into his office. Poor Michael. Uh, <laughs> He's such a sleazeball, but I feel so bad for him. Yeah. So I like it when Michael Scott, who is upset after Carol, so this is post-Carol, um, and he's standing in the hallway and they're about to go to Benihana. And he says, bros before hoes. Why? Because your bros are always there for you. They have got your back after your hoe rips your heart out for no good reason. And you are nothing but great to your hoe. And you told her that she was the only hoe for you. And that she was better than all the other hoes in the world. And then then suddenly she's not your hoe no mo. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the goose. <laughs> my, next, my, my next three sets of, of quotes all have to do with this goose. Uh, <clears throat> Dwight's describing the goose and he says, uh, he was dead already and we shoot to use every part of the goose. The meat has a delicious, smoky, rich flavor. Plus, you can use the molten goose grease and save it in the refrigerator, thus saving your trip to the store for a can of ex- expensive goose grease. And Jim looks at him and like, wow, win-win. Dwight, exactly. Thank you, Jim. Phyllis says, I like goose. It's, if it's already dead, is it so crazy if we eat it? And Creed's like, yes, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and, and Toby goes... Oh, and Dwight, Toby says, Dwight, you cannot keep it here. Dwight, okay, this is ridiculous. and totally against the spirit of Christmas. And Toby says, come on, Dwight. We went over this for like half an hour. And Dwight's like, it's Christmas, Toby. Toby goes, it's a dead animal in the office. You can't. Dwight goes, Toby, please 
please. And then Toby tells him he cleaned it in the car, and Pam says, I'd like it off my desk. And Dwight grabs it. Okay, Pam, take a chill pill. <laughs> like she said something so egregious by not wanting a, a roadkill goose on her desk. <laughs> He's so sincere when he says please to Toby. Too. That's what it, like he's like for real. Like please, please, please. So I have a Kevin quote. I love Kevin. So when Pam and Karen announce they're having another party, in addition to Angela's, uh, Angela's like the office B for people who don't know. Like she's mm-hmm. really cold hearted. Um, but all in the name of good Christian behavior. That's right. Yeah, yeah, super Christian. Um, they have a few talking heads with different members of the cast, like talking to the camera about, you know, which parties are going to go to and stuff. And Kevin's like, I hear Angela's party will have double fudge brownies, but it will also have Angela. Double fudge, Angela. Du- double fudge, Angela. Hmm. <laughs> like he's just weighing it like so hard on his mind. <laughs> but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it too. It's Angela. Oh. Um. Can we talk for a moment about <laughs> Michael's rebound girl? So the waitresses that Michael and Andy are hitting on are it's a Benihana's restaurant. So for those who don't know, it's a uh, it's like um. Hibachi Grill. Hibachi yeah, grill. Hibachi. That's it. Hibachi Grill. So it's an Asian restaurant. And a combination of Michael's naivete, his very worst side of him, and just the fact that he's drunk at the point, him and Andy take two Asian waitresses back to the office, and Michael gets so blitzed that he can't tell them apart. <laughs> from preying on the stereotype. He can't tell which one he brought back. But, pure Michael Scott fashion, he solves this problem by tricking the one he brought to to come over to him and give him a hug. And he takes a Sharpie marker and just makes a line on her arm so he can tell them apart the rest of the night. (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) So funny though. So I have a quote that relates to the um, the dueling Christmas parties plotline part Ooh. of the show, and um, so Dwight says, "Pam and Karen, I'm ordering you to cease and desist all party planning immediately." Pam says, "You can't do that." Dwight says, "As ranking number three in this office, I am ordering." And Andy cuts in, I'm number three. And Dwight's like, you're number four. Andy goes, yeah, but I'm number three. Dwight says, uh, no. And then turns to Pam again and tells Pam, you must turn over to me all Christmas decorations and party paraphernalia immediately. They will be returned to you on January 4th. Jim steps in. Okay, I think I can help here. Dwight says, okay, good. They, Jim says, as ranking number two, I am starting a committee to determine the validity of the two committees. And I am the sole member of that committee, of the committee. (laughs) The committee will act on this now. Dwight goes, okay, this is stupid. Jim says, could you please keep it down? I'm in session. <laughs> I have determined that this committee is valid. Dwight goes, what? No, no, wait, 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 wait. Thinks about it. Dwight, permission to join the validity committee. Jim, permission denied. Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Does this episode pass the Linus test? I think so. Can you elaborate? 
Yeah. So I think when the two parties become one, because Pam and Karen realize Angela's unhappy um, and everybody comes together, that's the happiest anybody is the entire episode is when they're all in the main room together. Even when Angela's up there singing and they all take their turns and they're all clearly enjoying themselves. I think that's when they recognize what makes a true Christmas office party for them, that they care about each other. I would agree with that because I think even when they combine it, when they say we decided to combine the parties, Pam said in the name of Christmas. So she realized that was a Christmas spirit thing to do. So I would agree with that. Do you have any objection, Tom? I don't, but I don't think they should have done that for Angela. Oh yeah. I'm not. (laughs) I am. I love the sweet moments that, that Angela and Dwight have though. I really like those. They make me happy. Okay. So, Scores. What would you score this episode? I, I gave, gave this one an eight. I gave this one a 9.25. I had another 10. These are my two favorite ones by a mile. So, okay, we'll so I'm that. nice. This had a that's what she said count of one, by the way. I wonder if Michael. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I wonder if there's going to be a correlation in Julia's score, and that's what she said. (laughs) So that comes in. This one is our top so far. This one comes in at 9.083. Nice. So moving on to season five's Moroccan Christmas. Uh, (laughs) In a continued effort to torment and blackmail Angela, Phyllis decides to throw a Moroccan-themed holiday party in lieu of the annual Christmas party that Angela normally drew as head of the party planning committee. The party is interrupted, however, when Meredith gets drunk and sets herself on fire, and Michael turns it into an intervention to help her with her drinking problem. So I will be honest, this is probably my least favorite of all the Christmas episodes because to me, it didn't feel Christmassy at all. I think it's not, it's not Christmassy at all. Yeah. And I really do not like Phyllis in this episode. I had forgotten how much I don't like Phyllis when she, even though I'm not, I, you're not supposed to like Angela either. Like I really hate Phyllis in this episode, like hate her. So Phyllis is blackmailing Angela because Dwight and Angela's affair was still secret at this point, And she walked in on them having sex on Oscar's desk in the accounting department late one night. And uh, she's threatening to tell everyone. And Angela can't have that getting out because at this point she's engaged to Andy. Angela got around on the show, by the way. Yeah, Not did. only is she engaged to Andy, they are planning to have their wedding at Shroot Farms. <laughs> We also, just to make some of our quotes potentially more relevant, we have a side story where Dwight has purchased a bunch of these extremely popular (laughs) princess unicorn dolls. And it's what he does every year is he figures out what's going to be the most popular toy, buys a crap ton of them so that he can sell them at a premium closer to Christmas for (laughs) those lazy parents buying stuff at the end. So he's, he's hawking these, you know, what is it? Princess Unicorn. Princess Unicorn. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's my first quote. So when he he tells Jim his plan, like he does this every year, Jim's like, that's a Christmas spirit. And Dwight's like, I'm simply punishing those parents. I would wait until the last minute to get their child a gift. And such a genetically improbable one. Look at that. How does that happen? King has sex with a unicorn. Man with a horn has sex with the royal horse. And Jim's just like, yes. 
And then Michael, who has no kids, is not married, comes out of the office and he's like, oh, hey, is that Princess Unicorn? I thought they were all sold out. <laughs> and, and Dwight's like, they are now. And Michael's like, cool, my horn can pierce the sky, which I guess is a Princess <laughs> Unicorn jingle. And just the idea that this man in his 40s, no kids, no wife. <laughs> no relationship with any young kids knows what this is and knows oh. the jingle is so funny to me. I love it. That's uh, so it, funny. That was great. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So um, at the end of the episode, Pam and Jim are in the room and they're discussing um, the Andy, the, the fact that the Dwight and Angela thing had gotten out. And Pam goes, I knew it. And Jim said, you did not know it. I knew some of it. Everyone knew some of it. Pam goes, it's Christmas. And he goes, you knew it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was sweet. You knew it. <laughs> I love that part. So, okay, I loved when at the beginning of the episode, Phyllis is around the party. Angela has a one-on-one with the camera. She's like, I'm not going to judge Phyllis for desecrating Christmas. There is one person who will, though. And Phyllis just stuffed him into a drawer. And that happened after Phyllis made Angela put away her nativity. <laughs> Not the whole nativity set, though. She could keep out the uh, the camel and the North African king. <laughs> I like what Michael's doing his own intervention. <laughs> He's asking Meredith these questions like, have you ever used alcohol to alter your mood or deliberately change your state of mind? Do you sometimes have a drink to celebrate special occasions or mark a holiday? Have you ever under the influence of alcohol questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? And Oscar's like, where did you get this? Michael's like, I got it on a website. It's not important. Michael <laughs> contacts experts. You don't know what you're doing. Okay, you know what, Toby? One of my employees is undergoing a crisis, and I wish just for once you wouldn't take my side on this. I'm doing your job. Real quick, this one has a that's what she said ranking of zero. No references. <sighs> And I have to say, even though I'm going to rank this one very low, it has one of my favorite cold opens, and it was the wrapped desk prank from Jim to Dwight, where he walks in and his desk is wrapped and it ends up also being hollow. Love that cold open. One of my favorites. Me too. One of my favorite parts of the episode. If not my favorite part of the episode, come to think of it. Probably, yeah. My favorite part. Yep. Great way to say that. So does this pass the line assessed? Nope. No. Nope. And what would you rank it? Three. Four. I'd probably give it a three. So we have a three and a third. So moving on to season six's Secret Santa. Tom, do you want to give us a plot synopsis for this one? Michael is outraged when Jim allows Phyllis to be Santa at the office Christmas party and retaliates by dressing as Santa as well before turning his costume inside out and dressing as Jesus. Meanwhile, (laughs) Pam discovers that Oscar has a crush on Matt, the new warehouse guy, and Andy's attempted courtship of Aaron goes awry when he discovers that she doesn't like the 12 days of Christmas he's been giving her as her secret Santa. Hanging over all of this is the fact that Dunder Mifflin has a new buyer, which throws the future of their jobs into uncertainty. So... This is the first Christmas episode we have that's written by Mindy Kaling. Again, for those not watching, a lot has changed between seasons. Uh, Jim is now co-manager with Michael, which is one of the weirder plot lines of the show. 
Um, Pam is a salesperson now, so they hired a new receptionist, and that's Erin, who Andy is into. This is our second hour-long Christmas episode, and I loved this one. I love this one. I love this one. It makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I really love this one. So what do, you, what do you love so much about it? So I like, my favorite thing about it is how fast the pacing is in the entire episode. It doesn't feel like an hour. It completely zips by. And you are never left hanging on any part of it. And every part of it to me is enjoyable. I just, I love this episode. It gave me all the feels. I got every feeling from this episode. It's great. What do you think of this one, Tom? Love it. I really do. The, the, the Jim and Dwight working together um, was just, it was just kind of a fun, positive twist. I feel a little more, more Christmassy. Um, even though we learn that Dwight's is not the altruistic approach that he pretends. <laughs> I'll share that quote when we get to it. How about you, Anthony? Yeah, no, I love this one. I don't love it quite as much as a Benihana Christmas or the first one, the Christmas party, but um, it's up there. I like it. This is um, the season when the office started getting a little more outlandish, I think, and I preferred it when it's a little more subtle. So yeah, this is when the show started getting a little more outlandish in certain respects for me, and I think that those aspects probably detracted a little bit from the episode, but overall, it's a really good episode. So... Why don't we just dive into quotes and let the conversation go from there? Because I'm sure I'll bring other stuff up. So, Tom, you've been itching to get to this episode from the beginning, so why don't you kick it off? Well, Dwight and uh, uh, Jim are acting on behalf of the planning committee, and they're, they're on behalf of them, Dwight is saying Merry Christmas to everyone. They, they disbanded the original party planning committee because it got too drama-filled with Angela and Phyllis and Pam and all of them vying for control of it. We did get to see Pam throwing away the box of ornaments, which I think brought her more joy than anything else in the season, including <laughs> Jim and, or in this show, including marrying Jim and having a child. Um, but after this, Dwight says, my diabolical plot is on hold for Christmas. My heart just melts with the sound of children singing. <laughs> Not really. I'm just tired. The days are short. I don't know. Maybe I'm depressed. He's so convincing at the beginning. I love it. He is. Okay, so I like when Michael turns his costume inside out because he doesn't want to share the role of Santa Claus with Phyllis. So he comes out of the office dressed in this really sad-looking Jesus costume, and he's like, Behold, Jesus Christ, and I bring to you glad Christmas tidings. I want to remind everyone the true meaning of Christmas. And Angela just like, amen. <laughs> and he's like, those of you who wish to join me, that's great. I'm excited about that. And those of you who don't, I forgive you, but I never forget. And, to- <laughs> and Toby, typical HR guy, is like, wow, Michael, like, this has to be obvious how wrong this is. And Michael's like, oh, the Antichrist. And he puts his hand <laughs> on his head and makes this sizzling noise like he's burning. <laughs> <laughs> and Toby's like, you can't, look, you cannot push religion. Oh, but I can push drugs in here? Is that what you're saying? And Toby's like, no. And he's like, well, you have to pick one or the other. Your choice. Pick your poison. Get back to me. In the meantime, I'm going to spread my goodness all over this company. And then he walks away. <laughs> Just love that whole scene. To ride on the whole Christ thing, I like it when Michael's talking to David on the phone. And he goes, David. <laughs> 
guess who I'm sitting here dressed as? And David goes, I'm not going to guess. You can either tell me or I'm going to hang up. Michael says, I'll give you a hint. His last name is Christ. He has the power of flight. He can heal leopards. <laughs> it sounds like that totally feels like a third grade Sunday school. <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep going with the Jesus theme. Uh, when Michael has his anti-Linus moment. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Christmas isn't about Santa or Jesus. It's about your, the workplace. All of you feel like my family. Ryan, you're my son. And Pam, you're my wife. And Jim, and Angela and Phyllis, you're my grandmas. And Stanley, you're a mailman. <laughs> my two favorite parts of that, he doesn't say who Jim is after he claims Jim's wife. And it's just the random mailman. It was I really love the small subplot um, of the actual secret Santa stuff, right? Where they're giving each other secret Santa gifts of Dwight's the whole episode. He's trying to figure out, he keeps getting these pieces to a, uh, to a gift that he's supposed to figure out what it is and put together. And in the end, it's Michael that had given him the pieces to make a nutcracker. And he was so excited about it. And Michael was so excited to give it to him. Mm -hmm. I loved that part. They gave me the feels just like when the drum line shows up at the end and it's Andy's one last hurrah for the 12 days of Christmas, 12 drummers drumming. Right. He, I love his, that part. he had been getting Aaron the 12 days of Christmas literally. And mm -hmm. she was kind of annoyed by whoever was doing it because the birds kept scratching her and pulling her hair mm -hmm. and everything like that. But it was very sweet how it played out. I like that too. I really like yeah. that. Yeah, it, it was kind of annoying. So the cost, the reason it bothers me is, is we know Andy's salary and the estimated price tag for this is like $35,000 for the 12 days of Christmas gifts. And Andy's just like throwing it at some girl he sort of likes who's weird. In fairness, he comes from a rich family. He always talks his heritage. So why is he working here? Like legit. He, he always he always touts his family's heritage and the school he went to. Cornell. I went to Cornell. You ever heard of it? So, does this episode pass the Linus test? Weirdly, yes. Yeah. It's not as clear cut as the last one for me, but how so? You know, we see him like for Michael this this whole everything is about him. But there's a little bit more to Christmas as he learns. Um, after he's, he's kind of ruined it for everybody and he realizes what a schmutz he's been. And that he's so bothered by them all losing their job. Well, them all losing their jobs, right? When he yep. misheard and all of that stuff. So, yeah. So, what do we want to rank this episode? Julia? I give it a 10. Tom? 9.7. I'm going to give it 8.5. 8.5, 10, and 9.7 gives us a 9.4, making this our top episode so far. Nice. So moving on to season seven's classy Christmas. Julia, do you want to give a synopsis for this one? Yep. Michael is thrilled when Toby announces a leave of absence from the company to perform his requested jury duty responsibilities and is even more excited when it prompts corporate to send his old flame, Holly Flax back to the branch to cover for him. Desperate to impress her, Michael forces Pam to plan a second Christmas party, the classiest one they've ever thrown for the day she returns. 
Meanwhile, Daryl attempts to win points from his daughter by allowing her to come to the office's party, and Jim regrets instigating a snowball war with Dwight. <laughs> yeah, that last part's my favorite part of this whole episode. So, yeah, before we get into the plot, because we haven't mentioned her, she hasn't shown up yet, in season at the end of season four, in the beginning of season five, Holly was the HR person after Toby left for a temporary absence. And uh, she was basically a slightly smarter female equivalent of Michael Scott. And the two of them hit it off right away. And he fell him. hard for her and she fell hard for him. They were totally in love. I love Holly's character from the minute she came on. I, I love Holly. I, I found her too. more endearing than Michael Scott. Uh, me too. I really yeah. Did. I mean, we must suppose, I think we're supposed to feel that way, probably, since we all do unanimously. So she's played by Amy Ryan, most, probably most well-known for The Wire. She was on that show. Never Um, seen it. But she just plays it perfectly. Um, Mm -hmm. Just for a bit of background, the first episode she shows up and Michael's predisposed to not like her because she's Toby's replacement in HR. And she just... Totally breaks him down by going down to his level and making all these weird comedy references and talking in a Yoda voice and totally just yeah, it's she's, she's so great. Perfect. She's oh great. So she comes back in this one, and Michael's thrilled because he thinks they'll just pick up where they left off because she was transferred away because David Wallace found out they were dating and he mm-hmm. didn't want that. Um, so Michael thinks they'll pick up where they left off, but she has a boyfriend now, and she's living with him, and Michael is distraught. <laughs> per the aw- standard Christmas episode. <laughs> it's awkward. <laughs> it is really awkward. So can we talk about the Jim and Dwight subplot for a minute? Since yeah. That's your yeah, we have to talk about that one. <laughs> we have to talk about that one. So, <laughs> so- you know, Jim notices out the window that it's begun, begun snowing. <laughs> And he makes a comment about it, and Dwight, hold on. Oh, no. uh, Jim says, hey. Other than Ethan refers to this episode as the snowball episode, by the way. <laughs> Jim looks out the window and says, it, it's snowing, and, and, Jeff goes, or, uh, and Dwight goes, oh, my God. It's this first snowfall of Christmas. Is that just so magical for you, little girl? Can you not wait to have hot chocolate and cuddle up with Papa and tell him all about your Christmas dreams? Hmm? It's not even a real snow look. It's a dusting, pitiful. Jim goes outside and makes a snowball, walks in, pegs Dwight in the face with it. And Dwight says, dang it, Jim. You can't throw snowballs inside. He's, Jim goes, well, it's not a snowball because it's only a dusting, right? <laughs> and Stanley, I loved it. Stanley trolled him and he's because like, Dwight uh, says, look, there's a pebble in it. You could have killed me. And Stanley's like, oh, who's a little girl now? <laughs> And this ends up escalating into a full-on attack from Jim. At one point, Dwight gives yeah. him a bloody nose. He pelts him with so many snowballs. And well, it's not just pelting him. I mean, he was down, and Dwight's, like, standing over him, throwing them, a, like, point he was blank like, right in his face. Well, yeah, so Jim goes outside for a rematch, and he's waiting around, and he's like, I guess Dwight didn't show up. And then there was a snowman behind Jim, and Dwight just breaks out of the snowman. <laughs> And starts so that's what's so funny is this is like the first time in the show I remember that Dwight bests 
Jim. Mm-hmm. He does. Repeatedly in a dark way. And okay. it does he though? Because Dwight says, I have no feeling in my fingers or penis, but I think it was worth it. Is that really besting somebody? Oh but yeah, Dwight best Jim. Like, and Jim doesn't come out on top of this episode. It ends with Jim no. all paranoid. He goes... He goes to leave for the day, and there are like twenty snowmen in the parking lot, and he freaks out. Yeah. And, and Pam Dwight's, is like, "Oh, I like I underestimated this. She didn't and, realize until that moment." And Dwight's just watching from the roof, uh, just smiling. In so. the end, the greatest snowball isn't a snowball at all. It's fear. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> very, very dark and perfect. Another another subplot in this episode which I really liked is. So up until this point in the show, Jim is always very cutesy with the gifts he gives Pam. Usually they're homemade or sentimental. So Pam Mm -hmm. wants to do something sentimental for him. So she draws a comic book starring him. But she's going around to people in the office to get their opinions. (laughs) They're not the nicest to her. But I like this. I like the one exchange she has with Phyllis. And Phyllis is like, oh, so you went homemade this year. And Pam's like, yep. And Phyllis is like, yeah, money problems. Is that what this is about? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think we can help you out. And Pam's like, no, no. Jim had a great year, actually. I just wanted to get your opinion. And Phyllis is like, oh, are you good at homemade? And Pam is like, look at this. And Phyllis is like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, but but I thought that was really so sweet. Cool, it yeah, was sweet. It was sweet. I liked what she did, and the whole like thought behind the 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 Bear Man comic she did of him and how he became a superhero. Yeah. I would be pretty blown away if somebody made me into a comic book superhero. Well, now yeah. I know I'm getting you free Christmas this year, Tom. <laughs> nice. I love when Jim is talking about the gift from Pam. That his emotion is just palpable. It, you can just see it really affects him. It's great acting at that moment from John Krasinski. Yeah. I in this episode I loved Michael's take on Santa. He's got to impress Holly so he becomes the sophisticated Santa and he he threw money at Pam and made Pam go get a tree. So when they come in Pam's like, "Hey guys, the tree's here." And Andy's like, "Nobody hug me. I'm covered in tree sap." So and Oscar immediately says, "Why would someone hug you?" <laughs> then Michael meets uh uh Daryl's daughter. Jada and he's like, "Hey there, Jada. Nice to see you again. I'm Santa Claus. Welcome." And Daryl's like, "Are you serious?" Like I said, "It's a sophisticated take." Jada's like, "He doesn't look like Santa Claus." Daryl's like, "No, he doesn't. I told her Santa would be here." Michael says, "Yeah, well, I was told that Holly would be here, single and ready to date, and we all got misled." <laughs> Pam said, "Who told you that?" Nora Ephron and every romantic comedy ever made. <laughs> <laughs> So our inability to all say stuff at exactly the same time is depicted in this cold open where they're all trying to jump up for a Christmas picture. <laughs> okay. When they're trying the different poses, Charlie's angels jumping, whatever. And eventually Dwight just stomps to the camera and, and it just comes to Michael in the office. We didn't get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Does this episode pass the line this test? Not for me. I put- it doesn't. No. I wrote down I, total Linus, but I think maybe I was referring to Pam and Jim, not the group as a whole. Yeah, I think Pam and Jim do because of the, yeah, yeah I think they do with yeah. their moment when they exchange gifts and she's all self-conscious. He got her this diamond necklace and she only got him a homemade com- comic book. And Jim right. just has a talking head where he's so 
thrilled by it. He's so happy and he loves it. It's homemade. It's like best gift ever, or whatever he says. Like it was a thought that counts. I, right. I think they could pass the line this test. But yeah. and Daryl and his daughter when they go through the vending machines and they give the stuff out to everybody, and Michael has that sweet, you know, hostess apple pie. It's just my favorite breakfast. That's yeah. very sweet. But yeah, I don't know if it quite crosses the line or not. So what would you score this episode, guys? 9.5. I love the snowball part. The snowball is great, yeah. It pretty much gets it for me. And I do love, again, the wigs. And the wigs, exactly. <laughs> that whole plot line, it's enough. <laughs> and Holly's back. I gave this one an 8.6. And I gave this one a 9.5. Wow, I'm the low one here, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, so this is 9.2. This comes in as our second highest so far after Secret Santa, um, which means we only have two more to go. Two more to go. And Patreon, for those of you who pay for Patreon, you're getting your bang for your buck with this episode, guys. Whew, just for saying. those of you who don't, Anthony, you're going to have some fun. <laughs> I am. Well, what I'm going to do is edit the Patreon one first and edit that all together. Okay, so moving on to Season 8, Christmas Wishes. Um, Andy attempts to mark his first Christmas as new regional manager of Dunder Mifflin by making everybody's Christmas wishes come true. Meanwhile, Dwight and Jim continuously attempt to frame one another after they are ordered to stop pranking each other, lest they lose their Christmas bonuses. In addition, Erin attempts to deal with her unrequited feelings for Andy by drinking too much at the party. So, for those who don't watch the show, this is our first season without Michael Scott. He left. He got engaged to Holly. They moved to Colorado. He's living his best life. He got his happy ending. Everyone was sad to see him go. Andy became regional manager of the office. And we are introduced to our new corporate head honcho, Robert California played by James Spader. So lots of changes went on. And uh, personally, season eight was my least favorite because the Robert California character didn't quite work for me. Didn't quite, didn't, did he fired on no sil- cylinders for me? None, not one. Yeah. I don't, like James, Spader. I found I don't like James Spader. Uh, I see, oh, I'm a I big James like Spader him. fan. No, not and at all. And this didn't work for me. Yeah, I really like him, and I didn't want to. Yeah, these Robert California years were not good years for me. So how would you describe Robert California? Douchebag. Well, he's that, definitely. He's like an Eastern-inspired Swami type, always always has something to say about everything, and lots of times it just doesn't connect. And I think on purpose. Like, it, not that it doesn't connect because of me, but I think people look at him and he, they're just, he's just weird. He's just a super weird and not in a good way character. Yeah. At all. I, I liked all of the in-house stuff. All of the regular cast members were used to. All of that stuff I was very happy with, but all that upper management was very confusing to me. I don't like this one. This is my probably my second least favorite one. I still think it this edges out Moroccan Christmas for My me. least. Yeah. Yeah, this one's low on my list as well. It's got a few moments that I like. Right, and I was about to say, do we want to just get into it? Because we pretty much talked the plot of this episode because there wasn't much of one. Yeah, let's just jump in and get it over with. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> so because I, I want to get to the next one. So and I like when <laughs> I will like um, when Andy says, "So who's excited to get their holiday wishes?" And Stanley's like, "Holiday wishes," and Andy's like, "What's up, Stanley?" And Stanley's like, "We know exactly what holiday you're referring to." And Andy's like, "It's important to be mindful of all belief systems at our holiday party." And Stanley's like, I've been here 18 years and I've suffered through some weird thematic Christmases, a Honolulu Christmas, a Pulp Fiction Christmas, a Muslim Christmas, Moroccan Christmas, Morocco Christmas. I don't want it. Christmas is Christmas is Christmas is Christmas. And then it gets to Jim talking to the camera. I got Stanley tickets to see Lewis Black for his birthday. Might not have been the best idea. And then it cuts back to Stanley ranting still. I don't want no Kwanzaa wreath. I don't need a dreidel in my face. That's its own thing. And who's that black Santa for? I don't care. I know Santa ain't black. I could care less. I want Christmas. Just give me plain baby Jesus lying in a manger Christmas. (laughs) Santa would have looked closer to black than white. Just throwing it out there. Being, being <laughs> Turkish, you know. But I, I I would really want to see the Pulp Fiction Christmas. I think <laughs> I, I want I want in the reboot of, of the office that is that that we'll all see. I want them to, to have a flashback to Pulp Fiction Christmas. I want to know what that is. So I I like that Andy in this episode is that sweet Andy that I really enjoy, right? Kind of that innocent Andy. He definitely has his moments like when he buys Dwight real estate on the moon and all of that. So when he's driving <laughs> Meredith home because she's wasted, but he's also halfway making sure that Aaron is okay with uh, Robert California. Um, he tells Meredith, shut your drunk hole right now. <laughs> Meredith, shut your drunk hole right now. And that made me laugh. And that buildup was just not worth it. So you can cut all of that out. <laughs> when Andy's like, I hate to have to take my Santa hat off and put on my hard yeah. A hat. He flippy actually turns and puts on a shirt or a hat that says <laughs> hard A. Um, he said, but this is serious. It's come to my attention that somebody who shall remain nameless wants to switch desk clumps. Dwight, fine with me. Jim can leave anytime he wants. Goodbye. And Jim says, it wasn't me. And he says, it wasn't either of you. Jim says, Kathy wants to leave our clump. Shh, shh, don't look. <laughs> Who it was is not important, but she did say that your constant pranking and one-upmanship is driving her crazy. She or he. <laughs> okay, so I like Andy brings his girlfriend, Jess, to the party, and he's looking out his office window and sees her and Aaron talking. So he's like, he's talking to the camera, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, my ex is meeting, my ex is meeting my sex, which is always scary, you know? And not just because you think they might talk about your penis. That's just part of it. But then in total awkward Andy fashion, it cuts to him walking out to go talk with them. He's like, hey, Jess, hey, Aaron, I hope you're not talking about my penis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, Andy. Good Lord. Um, the banter back and forth between Jim and Dwight on trying not to prank each other or trying to prank each other in such a way that the other one looks guilty for it because of the bonus swap, <laughs> even of them getting each other's bonus as as a 
punishment <laughs> for pranking. I like when Jim says, Dwight really wants my bonus. He's trying to entrap me. Oh gosh, now I can't drink at this thing. I get really pranky when I drink. <laughs> and then Dwight pranking him by stealing his credit card information uh, that he overhears and using it to buy $200 worth of flowers for Pam. <laughs> and he's all like, <laughs> evil laugh. I do have written down the Christmas miracles happen for this one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jim is talking. He says, you're all right, Santa to Andy. And he said, you know, those movies where two friends are sleeping together and it's like, Hey, can they stay friends? Jim's like, yes. Do you think two friends who are not sleeping together can stay friends? (laughs) Two friends who are not sleeping together. Can they remain friends? Yes. Yeah. No, I don't. mm, I don't know. Jim says, okay. Nandy goes, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to miss, I'm going to mess with you and Dwight's bonuses. I think it's causing more problems. So just be yourselves, have fun and try not to let it affect your work. Jim says, all right, I definitely will. Andy, all right, I'll tell Dwight. And Jim says, you know what? You're sitting and thinking, and it's probably better if it comes from me anyway. And Andy's like, Christmas miracles do happen. And Jim's, yes, they totally do. (laughs) (laughs) So, So does this episode pass the line this test? Not for me. Could be total bias because I hate this episode. I hate <laughs> California. Why are you, Julia? Um, probably not. I think it's a stretch. I wrote Linus question mark gift giving, but I don't. I don't even remember it now. So if it's not even that memorable, does that mean that it? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say it does not. Yeah. So what would you score it? I give it a four. I was at a four too. 1.5. Oh, really don't like it, huh? No, I don't. So this is a 3.16 and brings this in at the bottom. This is below Rockin' Christmas right now. Wow. Which brings us to my favorite. <gasps> right. So moving on to season nine, the last Christmas episode the show ever did. And that is Dwight Christmas. So, Tom, why don't you give us a plot synopsis? When the party planning committee forgets to plan their annual Christmas party, Dwight throws together a traditional shrewd German Christmas celebration and dresses as a bell schnickel for his coworkers. Pam is upset that Jim has to miss the party by going down to Philadelphia for his new job at Athlete, while Daryl is upset that Jim has seemingly forgot his promise to help him get a job at the startup as well. So I'll go first about with my general thoughts about this episode because I'm going to be the most negative. This was, this was for me, Dwight at his worst. In my outlandish Dwight at his worst in my book. I liked this, the quiet moments where he's upset Jim left and he gets cheered up when Jim comes back. But I didn't find the Bell Snickle stuff that funny, really. At least not coming from him. I did because he played it so sincerely like this, yeah. this, uh, this Pennsylvania Deutsch um, uh, tradition is so part of his, his culture. And really it's one of the more believable things <laughs> to me from Dwight. If we look at, at his family, his life, you know, the things like uh, how weird things are like his, his cousin, his cousin Moe's. Plus, yeah, no, I wasn't going to say most. The, the one that doesn't speak English who marries him and <laughs> who marries him and Angela in front of, so all of that and when we see shroot farms it sets it sets the stage for this um this bell schnickel this anti-santa claus that i love 
um, in general. And I, I love the costume, how close to his hip Dwight plays the whole part. It is just it I, I, really happy. So for those who don't watch the show, the only really big change between season eight and nine is that Jim is spending half of his time in Philadelphia. He uh, started a startup with a sports marketing startup with his friends called Athlete. So he's gone half of the time, which puts a little stress on Jim and Pam's marriage. Why don't we dive into quotes and favorite parts and stuff? Because uh, we can probably expand from there. Heck yeah. So I'll go first because I don't have a lot of favorite ones because I don't really like this episode. So I don't want people to take the only ones I have. So when <laughs> Dwight is dressed as Belsnickel and he's passing around the bowl and he's like to the to his coworkers who have no idea what uh, any of these traditions are. He's like, take a bowl and pass it down. And Phyllis is like, thank you, Dwight. These are nice. And Dwight's like, no, these are gift bowls. When you receive a gift, you'll go in the bowl, but the bowls must be returned at the end. They're set. Now hold your bowls forward. The bell snicker will decide if you're impish or admirable. And Jim's, li- and Jim's like, oh, it's like naughty or nice. And Dwight's like, no, impish or admirable. And Jim's like, quick question. Do you just decide who gets what in the moment or did you make a list? I decided earlier. Oh, nice. Did you check that list? Of course I checked it. But more than once because you could have made a mistake. I checked it more than once. Okay, so you made a list, you checked it twice, and now you're going to find out who's ambitious or admirable. And Jim's just like, damn. (laughs) 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 I liked when uh, when, when Kevin is eating the the hog maw. (laughs) And he has his mouth full and he's like, I love this hog mama. And Dwight's, and Phyllis says, Dwight said it's hog maw. And Kevin's like, chokes and spits it out and says, what's maw? Dwight walks in his bell schnickel and Phyllis is like, it's the lining of the stomach of, and Dwight starts cackling, oh, in a German accent, judgment is nigh for the bell schnickel ish. <laughs> says, yeah, he's finally nigh. Dwight says, I am nigh. <laughs> I, like, I, I like how he's okay with hog, hog mama. <laughs> But when they say hogmaw, nope, that's too far. Spits it out. What is hogmaw? So I like when at the beginning of the episode when they realize they've forgotten to plan a Christmas party. And so Dwight throws out there, what about an authentic Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas? Drink some Glunwein, enjoy some Hasenpfeffer, enjoy Christmas with St. Nicholas's rural German companion, Belschnickel. And Jim just goes, yes, that, 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 definitely doing that. <laughs> So when so when Dwight first walks into the room and they see him as Bell Snickle Bell Schnickel for the first time, and Jim's like, "Oh, so it's kind of like Santa, except dirty and worse." And Dwight's like, "No, much better. No one fears Santa the way they fear Bell Snickle." Wow, it's my favorite part of Christmas, the authority. And Pam's like, "And the fear." And Dwight's like, "Yes, exactly." And Phyllis is like, "Come on, Dwight, you're making this up." And Dwight's like, "No." So Oscar takes out his phone and Googles it. And he's like, oh, this is a real thing. Belsnickel is a crotchety fur-clad gift giver related to other comparisons of St. Nicholas in the folklore of southwestern Germany. <laughs> and everyone's like, huh, wow, okay. And Dwight's like, okay, great. Seriously, you guys? Now you believe in Dwight's traditions when some Democrat looks at the Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> like when Dwight's talking about the tradition, he said, every year my grandfather would dress up as Belschnickel at Christmas. You know how some people say they were born to be bad? Well, I was born to be Belschnickel. 
Okay, so kind of in the same area as the last quote when they're trying to decide which one to have. And Meredith's, um, Stanley goes, I want tropical Christmas. And Meredith says, topless Christmas. And then Creed says, topless Swiss Miss. <laughs> Everybody just kind of looks at him and it goes to him alone in the room. And he's like, Spanish tapas and Swiss Miss hot chocolate. What's so hard to understand? <laughs> <laughs> when Dwight's defending him, he says, in a head-to-head contest, people prefer Bauschnickel over Santa every time. There aren't as many songs about him, but I attribute that to the rhyming difficulties. My brother and I wrote one once. It was about a fickle-pickle salesman who would, who would tickle you for a nickel. <laughs> we have to talk about the fact that Die Hard is also a tiny little subplot in this of them talking about Die Hard on the Christmas episode, so. It was. Boost hour. And It's a Christmas Miracle is mentioned by Dwight. I think this episode passes the line, this test. It does. Yes. Because, yeah. For the Jim and Dwight realize they need each other for Christmas. And when Dwight, and when Jim left and comes back, and I just love when he, when he walks in the office, and Jim's like, what's going on? Where's the Belschnickel? And Pam's like, Oh, oh my God. And she runs to hug him, but Dwight runs and gets in front of her to hug Jim first. Yeah. What are you doing? Last time I saw you, you were whipping me out of here with the, uh, whipping me out of the building. And Dwight puts his finger on Jim's lips. <laughs> and I just lose it every time. Shh. Let's not speak of that. The pig rib. We could, we could totally break the pig rig. I'm going to get it out of the trash. And he high fives Jim. So nice. this is definitely our longest recording uh, episode yet. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's good. It's good content for our Patreon. It has. So, it is. So, what would you rank this episode? Ten. I give it a ten. Do you really? <laughs> yes. Yay! <laughs> I give it a two point five. Oh, that's a grinchy move. So really, you like White Christmas less? Than- I liked my, I liked Moroccan Christmas more. I did. And I think it, the, the where Moroccan Christmas wins a few more points for me is because Michael is still around and I miss Michael for the latter three seasons. Well, I feel like that's and, how much I also like Belschnickel. And, and Dwight me, was me too. without Michael. And yeah, and see, for me, that's Dwight as Belschnickel. It was just over the top. I found it funny, but I was like, this is not my preferred version of Dwight. So what's the average for this? Well, now I'm really sad because this is like below the middle of the, the road. It is a 7.5. Coming in below Christmas party. So our ranking goes Secret Santa, season six at a 9.4. Classy Christmas, season seven at a 9.2. Benihana Christmas, season three at a 9.08. Christmas Party, season two is an eight. Dwight Christmas, season nine is 7.5. Moroccan Christmas, season five is 3.33. And The Christmas Wish, season eight is a 3.16. I'm pretty okay with this whole list, except I'm really not happy with where White Christmas landed. Yeah, me either. I'm okay with this whole list, except Secret Santa I would have ranked just below, like 0.1 below Christmas Party. Otherwise, I'm fine with it. We've covered our final thoughts, right? We covered our final thoughts. The Office, great show, great Christmas episodes. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Highly recommend. Um, but I do want to say one of our <clears throat> listeners on Reddit ranked these episodes himself. So I just want to rank them through how he would have ranked them. So this was from Kirk Land P on Reddit. And he said, where to begin? The only one I don't really love is Moroccan Christmas. It just doesn't have a real holiday feel. These episodes are my go-to taste of Christmas throughout the year when I need a little bit. My power rankings. Number one, Christmas party. 
Number two, Secret Santa. Number three, a Benihana Christmas. Number four, Classy Christmas. Number five, Christmas Wishes. Number six, Dwight Christmas. Number seven, Moroccan Christmas. So Kirkland P, I'm on your page, man. And I'm not. <laughs> but thanks no. for listening. So if you, in, if you enjoy listening to us and you want to hear more of the banter, um, check us out on Patreon. Uh, for just a dollar a month, you get all of our extra uh, content that we put together, including an almost two-hour episode of all of the uh, U.S. Office Christmas specials. It was a fun review, guys. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, so we got a new review um, in iTunes, and it's super sweet, and I'm really excited to read it. So it's titled, Love This Podcast by A-Elizabeth. Um, she said, I'm assuming she said. That's what she I'm said. not even a... I'm not even a huge movie fan, but I do know Christmas movies. I'm not sure why I even like this podcast so much. I guess it's all because of the three hosts and their chemistry. This is light and humorous and keeps the Christmas spirit alive. Thank you so much, A. Elizabeth. Yeah, that was really sweet. If this were a video, I would drop the uh, Battleship Mission Accomplished banner behind us at this point. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So... We love getting these ratings and reviews. They help us um, to be found easier in searches on all of the podcast hosting services. So please, if you get a chance, um, rate us and review us. Like our social media pages, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. And we also have a super awesome website you can visit, um, tisthepodcast.com. So come and see us because we really want to talk to you. And share our pages too. Help us spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. So next week's movie is the first sequel we're covering, and that will be Disney's The Santa Claus 2, the follow-up to Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. I know we said it was back to work month, so I'm going to argue there's a problem in the workshop in that movie and say it still sticks to the theme. (laughs) So, yeah, that should be fun. We're getting into a um, proper Santa Christmassy feeling movie next week. I have slightly different thoughts about this after watching uh, Mrs. Santa Claus, just so you guys know. Hmm, Interesting. But on that note, I'll say it the sad way, Julia. You can say it the more, the less sad way. How's that sound? That sounds great. 344 days until Christmas. Which is only 49 more weeks. I love it. Under 50. Woohoo. Woohoo. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.